This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Sweaters Forever podcast brought to you by Choctaw Casino and Resort. Welcome to Choctaw Casino and Resort, the ultimate destination for exciting gaming and live entertainment here. Winning is never far away. I'm Shippy from the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. And as always, joining me on the Sweaters Forever podcast is my co-host, Gavin Spittle, the Hockey Hawk. Hawk, What's how up, are we buddy? doing today? Yeah, man, I'm doing great. Stick tap to uh, Choctaw for all their support for uh, yeah. allowing this podcast to happen. And uh, let's do it, man. Good things happening for your Dallas Stars. Yeah, they had a really uh, really successful road trip, uh, all things considered. They didn't end on the note that Stars fans would have liked in a tough 2-1 to loss to the San Jose Sharks. But other than that, they, you know, they, they went on the West Coast and they cleaned up pretty nicely. They beat the, the Kings 2-1. to the Ducks three to zero and the Sharks two to one. What um or lost to the Sharks two to one, I'm sorry. What were some of your biggest takeaways from that road trip, if any? Uh, what did you see from the club while they were out there? I, I thought that they had to get their legs under them against the LA Kings. Took them a while to get going because they were coming off kind of a short break. Yeah. Uh so after that first period, I thought they played really, you know, a much better brand of hockey. They were more aggressive. Um, you know, for as bad as the Kings are in the standings, they have a lot of talent, you know, yeah. one of which is Anse Kopitar, which I think is one of the better uh, defensive and offensive forwards in the league. And they got um, Jonathan Quick in they net. They got Jonathan Quick in net. They have Drew Doughty, who I still think is one of the better defensemen. You know, you look at that stat, T-O-I, time on ice, and he's among the league leaders every single year. Uh, so I think he's a terrific player still. And uh, so I think they have a lot of talent, and I think the uh, Stars, after that slow first period, um, you know, they held them off early and uh, were able to uh, come back and win. One of the things I like about Rick Bonus's system is that, you know, we saw a lot of coaches, and if it just wasn't happening one night, they'd quickly shift lines. Yeah. With the philosophy of these guys practice together all the time, it's, it's not a question of getting to know each other. Every player knows each other. Right. Well, Bonus is kind of going old school, and I absolutely love He's it. He's keeping it. Together. He's keeping it. I yeah. love that the two lines are staying as the top two lines. Yeah. Where you're telling the first line of Ben, Sagan, Radulov, okay, we're not going to separate you guys. You guys need to be our top line. But are they, in fact, the top line? Because then you look at that second line, and if I'm an opposing team— and my best defenseman, obviously, most likely, I'm going to put them against that first line. But if I'm doing advanced scouting, I have to look at that second line with yeah. Hints, Pavelski, and Gurionov. Right. Because that seems to be the line that's producing the most opportunities. Yeah. So I think the Stars have something that they haven't had in a while, and that's a lot of depth. Uh, I think the defensemen are playing better. I think... Fast-forwarding after that to Anaheim the next night. I thought 
that would be the night that you have tired legs. The good news is, is I think the boys were in bed by midnight from the LA Kings game because it's Anaheim. It's right around the right, corner. Right. So that's an easy back-to-back or an easier-than-usual back-to-back. Sure. So they play Anaheim the next night, and I thought it was one of their best overall games. Yeah, I agree. Even though it wasn't a blowout, I thought it was a complete game, start to finish. I never felt as though Anaheim got on the got in the flow. Kudos to Stars fans. There were a lot of Stars fans in attendance, you know, because you could hear them uh, at the Honda Center when there was a goal by the Stars. Uh, so I just thought that was a game that they controlled from start to finish, and that has been one of the drawbacks of this Stars team. They inevitably end up like losing one period and then come back in a second or third period. And it's usually those earlier periods that they're yeah. losing, specifically the first. Yeah. You know, uh, they, they get down and then it's like, oh, crap, we're going to have to do this again. But for a lot of it, they've been making the comeback, completing the comeback. You'd just like to see them get out to a better start. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, then on that third night, uh, I just think it was a fluke night. I mean, I, I just... You know, they didn't play their best game. Miro Haskinen was saying that. They got to get the better legs underneath them. Um, They just weren't skating as fast and as hard. You know, that's not an effort thing. It's just these games happen. You got a lucky break off of Brett Burns' skate to start the scoring. Right. You just couldn't get anything going offensively, and you lost the game 2-1. to Now, all three games, the goaltending's been outstanding. Yeah. And that just seems to be the consistent narrative throughout this NHL season for your Dallas Stars is I think it's probably the best one-two tandem in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And it just does not seem to, you know, falter in any way. I'm real intrigued the way Rick Bonus is playing the goaltender, starting Hudobin on the on the road trip and then coming back with him on San Jose. So it seems as though uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you have a hot backup in Hudobin. Mm-hmm. And then the second reason, I think you're trying to keep Ben Bishop as fresh as possible. Right. And the age of goalies playing 70 out of a possible 82 or over, it's kind of like the NFL where you need two quality running backs. Right. So, I mean, I think, you know, it looks really good. You do have a tough game against Colorado before facing another. You know, the, the problem with Thursday at home against Buffalo is you're coming off a big road trip. Mm-hmm. And the Buffalo Sabers, to me, are one of those matchups that do not do not favor the Stars. They've struggled against Buffalo. Jack Eichel's a great player. I think he's completely underrated because he plays in Buffalo. You know, yeah. he's not yeah. Connor McDavid status, but close to Connor McDavid status. Uh, so you have a couple tough uh, tilts ahead of you. Yeah, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that Avalanche game tomorrow because that's, I mean, this is still the Pepsi Center. Still the Pepsi Center. The Pepsi Center. I mean, you. that just seems like it's always been a really tough place yeah. for the Stars to play and really any team to go in and play, especially with this brand of hockey that the Avalanche play. It's very fast-paced, up and down the ice. It's a young, exciting team. And then you factor in the altitude still gets to players. You know, in Colorado, I'm a little bit concerned about this game, even though we do have, like you just said, the Stars have uh, probably the best goalie tandem in the league. How do you feel about that matchup against the Avalanche tomorrow night? I think it's a completely different, you know, the Stars went in to Colorado earlier this year and took one, but that was a beat-up Colorado team. Now they're right. healthy. Uh, you know, Kale McCarr's back. 
Um, you know, you got the the big uh, threesome, one of the best lines in hockey, featuring Nathan McKinnon, who is making a big statement as the league's MVP this year. Did you see the TMZ video? I, I did. TMZ approached him. He said, I'm not famous enough for TMZ, yeah, bro. It was great. It was great. Such a great line. One of the like top five easily yeah. hockey players in the NHL is yeah. like, oh, I'm not famous enough for this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's the way he wants to be. So. I think it's a tough matchup for them tomorrow night and an important matchup. Colorado's yeah. right behind you in the standings. And, you know, it's not too early to look at the standings because we've talked about this on this podcast. Yeah. Is that the Pacific Division, unlike other years, is that good this year? Probably competing for one of the better divisions in the hockey, in hockey, and it shuffles each week. So now you have the Calgary Flames in front. So if you look at the wild card as it stands today, it's two Pacific Division teams. Yeah. So they're going to beat each other up. But that said, you know you you need to get in the top three if you're the stars. And I think that's one of the things you have to keep an eye on. Um, so uh, it's going to be a tough matchup tomorrow night. I would love to see a rebound game. I like seeing. Uh, even if they lose the game, I want to see the stars come out. I want to see them hit. I want to see them be physical. Um, I want to see them counter that big Nathan McKinnon line with the third line and, you know, Roddick Foxa, uh, Cogliano, guys like that, creating some issues and shutting that line down. I want to see a big night in net. I'm assuming it's going to be Bishop. And, uh, you know, that, that, that would be good. And then finally, you know, you do get some – you get some home games. But overall, it's been a successful road trip. Um, it would have been nice to get the San Jose, so at least you came right. back you know, on, on the winning end. Now, I want to go back to the Ducks game real quick, just because it seems like, I mean, would you call that Dennis Kurianov's? I mean, I feel like we've said this earlier, yeah. but that was impressive. The goal that he scored, and then the almost goal that he scored, which was a great save. Yeah. Um I was super impressed that, you know, because I knew he was a skilled player, but that between the legs yeah. attempt, I, I didn't, I was just not expecting that. Well, I think the biggest thing about that play was that he had to do that. It wasn't, oh, yeah. it wasn't, I'm showing off. Right. You know, basically he could not shoot that puck otherwise. Right. So amazing skill set. Yeah, I actually thought that was more impressive than the actual goal, which was I a one-timer. I, I did too. Um, and the good thing about the one-timer was the accuracy and the quickness that he got it off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think you and I have been on the Dennis Gurionov bandwagon early yes. even when he was sent down. We thought he should have stayed up. Uh, I just think the future is so bright for this kid. Um, and, you know, he's playing better defensive hockey. You're not seeing him out of place, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's back on the play. I think he's really good in the corners at times. Um, he's fighting for the puck. He's not losing his defensive assignments. So I think the Stars got a good one. It'll be interesting because both him and Rope Hints are restricted free agents after this year. So they are kind of playing for that next contract. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are, is definitely some incentive, but – you know, who would have thought to start the year that it would be Gurianov and Hintz leading kind of the, the offensive charge for the Stars? Yeah. I mean, it's exciting stuff, especially as Stars fans moving forward, assuming that they get that restricted free agent contract done. Yeah. You know, and the team is a big jerk and steps in and tries to ruin it for all of us Dallas <laughs> Stars fans. Well, I think, you know, the NHL has their slots, and that's a good thing. Now, more and more you are seeing restricted free agents hold out for bigger money, and you are seeing that occasional offer come in now 
that the NHL had a gentleman's behind yeah. the table agreement that you didn't offer a contract to a player that was protected by another team. That's no longer the case. So, you know, we're going to see an interesting situation where how much does Gurionov get paid? I'm more concerned with the hints because mm-hmm. hints has had, you know, a, a hints kind of was big in the playoffs last year, then started off the year so hot. So, I think he's probably going to ask for more than Gurionov is. So the Stars have some tough decisions to make because they're up against the cap right now, and they have some big contracts that, you know, they have Pavelski under contract, Radulov, Ben, and Sagan. That's a lot of money tied up for just four guys. So some interesting questions. I mean, that's down the line. I mean, right, right. heck, win the cup, and then we'll decide. Yeah, then we'll worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, also on this road trip, we had two players that – for the first time ever in their NHL career, left their respected, uh, respective uh, franchise, and they both came into the Dallas Stars. And Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski, both of them saw their former teams. Uh, and I thought it was really cool, the the ovation that they got. Even Corey Perry, who wasn't able to suit up because he's serving yeah. a suspension, which honestly to me I feel like is the most Corey Perry way ever to return to his former team. It really is, yeah. Is to be out of the lineup because he got suspended <laughs> for something. But... The uh, the Anaheim Ducks they showed him you know you know all suited up not in hockey you know in hockey sweater but in a nice suit and and the Anaheim Ducks uh, fan base and the San Jose Sharks fan base both gave both those guys what I thought was a very very nice you know welcome home uh, type of return for each of those guys. I know the stars a lot of stars fans weren't happy with the Corey Perry signing. They still aren't. They still aren't. Yeah, and they were really mad at the Winter Classic, and I get that. Um, never should have signed Corey Perry. But I think when you look at that ovation and the way that his former teammates treated him, he was beloved in Anaheim. Absolutely. If you're not a good locker room guy, I don't think that's happening. Right. I mean, you might have a nice, solid video tribute or something, but that standing ovation just shows what Corey Perry meant to the game of hockey in that area. The fan base still loves him. And, you know, he was your guy. He was that guy... You know, similar to kind of the way that Stars fans, much smaller sample size, but still revere Antoine Roussel. Or Steve Ott. Or Steve Ott, absolutely. Think Steve Ott's those, a great two, example. Two of those guys were some of the like fan favorites. Yeah. Here. I mean, they would go crazy. Roussel would score a goal or just have the puck and you hear Roos and then Ott. If you know he scored, you know everything went crazy, and people were treating or cheering for the Blues last season because Steve Ott was on the coaching staff, and yeah. oh, I want Steve Ott to get a to get a Stanley Cup, and I I understand and I respect that, and I share a lot of those sentiments, but I feel like it's weird. I mean, and I understand because Corey Perry didn't start here, and you had so many intense playoff matchups and regular season matchups, and Jamie Benn and Corey Perry, John back and forth going at it. I understand where a lot of that hatred comes from but he's out winning peace on this team and so Absolutely. i love winning more than anything yeah so it's real easy as soon as they signed him i was like oh awesome yeah like that's great i used to hate this guy but hey he's wearing victory green now badass like especially when it's a it's a one-year deal it's not a lot of money one-year deal you know yeah it just what it was a good deal low risk high reward signing right and i don't think it's a coincidence that when Corey perry entered this star's lineup, they turned the season around. Yeah. I think he had an immediate impact. His calmness with the puck, his control in space, 
Um, you know, he's just one of those wily veterans. And it was kind of disappointing to see the Winter Classic. I know everyone was amped up, but we hadn't seen that from Corey Perry. Yeah. You know, everything had settled yeah. down nicely. Yeah. It scored some nice goals. You know, uh, it wasn't that dirty Corey Perry. So, And you can't tell me that environment didn't kind of oh. have him amped up to do that. You know, I lay think, the big hit on Ryan Ellis and try to, you know, really yeah. shake. Get the, get the home crowd going, you know. Well, uh... I was watching the uh, Winter Classic, the NHL. The Road to Winter. The Road to Winter yeah. Classic over the weekend. I love it because it's mic'd up. And Tyler Shagan gets called for the penalty and is screaming at the refs like, I am never checking anyone again. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Like, it's just like, that's how amped up. They were because you you don't see Tyler Sagan throwing checks. Right. And that was that was one of the things like I've heard him talk about that in the past, like not in like a public setting, but just like, hey, like, why don't you hit more? He's like, dude, that's not me. That's not my game. I'm here to score goals. You yeah. Know? Like, I'll let Jamie Benn and I'll let those right. guys throw the body around, you know? Yeah. But I, I remember exactly what hit you're talking about. Yeah. Because I saw it and I was like, I remember talking to, you know, my buddy and, and the Tolos that were around us. And I turned, I said, is that, did Sagan just throw a hit right. out there? I'm like, that is, I've like rarely ever seen him do yeah, that. Yeah, so it was an amped up, and you know, it's an unfortunate situation. And Perry deserved the five game suspension, but yeah, really, really nice tribute from Anaheim and the fans. And then we move, it's just so weird that it happens on consecutive back games. Back to back nights, back to or, or back yeah. to back games. Yeah, so then San Jose comes and it's the Joe Pavelski show, and what an awesome job! I mean. Um, I went to see the Stars play a couple years ago in the Shark Tank, and that uh, is just a special building. I want to go there so bad just to see him skate that, out of that big shark. Yeah, like, yeah I've seen yeah. it on TV, and I just want to witness that in person. Like yeah. I want to be sitting diagonally across on the ice from that <laughs> shark and just watch these guys go out. Well, get there a couple minutes early because they blow it up, and it blows up real quick. You know, it's uh, just really interesting. How I always wonder that too. Did it like, did it drop from the ceiling? Is nah, it like, like a shark, like invention yeah. in the top of the man, big fans in there and bam, yeah. you know, there it is. But it's also kind of like fascinating. Um, the way the arena is structured in San Jose, you have downtown San Jose, mm-hmm. which is a really kind of cool vibe downtown, but everyone walks to the game. So like, that, I walked from my hotel to the game, and you know, you start off, and you know, you're with a couple of people, and by like a quarter mile, all of a sudden, you look around, and you're surrounded by hundreds of Sharks fans, and then another hundred cool. yards, hundreds more, and hundreds. So you're walking, and all of a sudden, there are thousands of people walking. Yeah, you know, and it's just a real cool vibe. And say what anyone will. I mean, there's the original six, and people know their hockey in these original six. But there are also those underrated, like St. Louis. Yeah, Nashville. they know their hockey. Nashville, they know their hockey. Tampa, rabid yeah. hockey fans in Tampa. And then there's the San Jose Sharks. The tradition of winning in San Jose is impressive. They know what Joe Pavelski brought to the yeah. table. Oh, yeah. and Joe Pavelski wasn't one of those top draft picks that came in. He was a young kid from University of Wisconsin who came in and just took everyone by storm, had some big goals for them, and, you know, was the captain of that team. And when he went down against Vegas, it was amazing his teammates, like how they rallied around. We're doing it for Joe. This is all about Joe. And remember, Joe, when he wasn't playing, walked out, uh, yeah. and the crowd saw him, oh. and they just went crazy. I lost a considerable amount of money 
on that game after Joe Pavelski was injured. <laughs> and I will I stand to this day that was not a major. No. It was not a major and I mean I'm I'm happy for him now, but I told myself at the time I'd never forgive him. And then he signed with the stars and I was like, <laughs> All right, well, if you want a cup here, then I'll yeah. go ahead and forgive you for that one. But, so it was an amazing tribute. He had water in his eyes, rightfully so. Yeah. Great to see that his family was there as well, as was Corey Perry's for the Anaheim tribute. So just a you know, I mean, I think he wanted the result to be better, but I don't think you could have a, a, a better night. The only thing that Boy, if he just didn't have that cap hit. Right. I'm just looking at the next yeah. three years, and I'm like, okay. I love him as a teammate, Shippy. Yeah. I love what he brings to the ice. I hate the cap hit. Right. I just feel as though that might come back to haunt us. And I hate talking, like, salary and player. Because, right. you know, he just brings a lot in the room and everything like that. You know, he came to Dallas because he really feels as though this is a championship contender. You know, but when you have the Gurionovs, the Hintzes, the guys coming up, you know, you need to make space for. Yeah. Boy, that's uh, that's going to be interesting because he hasn't been the Joe Pavelski of years past. And, you know, hopefully, you know, he gets going. I think he's going to have a good year. I think the expectation is when you get paid $7 million a year, uh-huh. you need to have a great year. Yeah. No, I think, and I think it's a fair expectation. Yeah. Like you're just saying, pairing the, the player and the salary, that's one of the unfortunate things about any athlete in any sport is that the fans have access to how much they're getting paid. Yeah. And it's public knowledge. So you don't sit there and say, oh, yeah, he's doing great. He's a room guy. You're sitting there going, just like you were saying, well, he's making seven. Yeah. This guy over here is making like one, and right. he's producing more than he is. He's kind of looking like he's on the decline of his career. You know, like you start factoring in all that stuff. That Jamie Benn has been the victim of that the last Huge ever victim. since ever since he won the Art Ross and he got the big deal. Ever since then, it's been well. Jamie Benn's getting paid for the work that he put in for the Stars, and now he's not living up to that contract. Yeah, and you know that's a great transition, Shippy, because probably. I don't think it was a Jim Montgomery situation, uh-huh. but I'm seeing a different Jamie Benn. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a guy that even if he, even if he doesn't show up on the score sheet, he's a different player. He's making an impact. Yeah, throwing the body around or just like you know defensively. Even I'm seeing a much stronger Jamie Benn. You know, and I, I totally agree. And I believe it was on that. It was around that time where they were went on the road trip and. They they went to Vancouver. It was a Canadian swing, and they beat Vancouver in Vancouver. And it was not that game, but the game after that he scored. And I can't remember who it was against. Maybe the Flames. But Jamie Benn from that point on. Oh, it was the um, the Winnipeg game where he hits Shifley, and yeah. then he takes the puck down and he scores. Right after that, like I've it's been that type of Jamie Benn all the time. Maybe he doesn't hit him and then go score on every play to give the Stars the lead after just giving up the lead. Yeah. But, you know, they he's showing that kind of confidence, honestly, on the ice. He looks like a much more confident player. Yeah, so I also love how he's picking players every game and just focusing on them. Yeah. Whether it be Roman Yossi of Nashville. Uh, when the Jezel, uh, the Jezels, when the Devils were in town, it was P.K. Subban, P.K. Subban, as it has always been. Yeah, absolutely. So he's just focusing on certain players. and He's kind of adding like a Corey Perry like agitator yeah. thing into his game, which he's always had. You know, like he, when the Blues 
and the Stars play, those whoever's on the Blues and Jamie Benn hate each other. And there's that there's that popular GIF or GIF or whatever where he's sitting on top of Petrangelo and he just kind of takes his glove and just shoves his face in the ice. Like, right. He's doing that, but now, like you said, every single game he's finding a single guy and just really kind of focusing in on, hey, I'm going to take this guy out of the game mentally and physically. So he scores the other night with a great pass across the crease from Sagan, and I just loved his reaction. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, scored. Like, On his confidence one. just seems way up right yeah. now. On to the next one. I mean, I think they're playing a real good brand of hockey. And like I said, I really like what Rick Bonus is doing as far as keeping the lines the way they are, keeping the defense pairings the way they are. If there's an injury or something, yeah, he has to make those moves. But uh, I give a lot of credit to Rick Bonus. I mean, yeah, me too. You know, this is a guy that I have my doubts about, even depending on how this year goes. I think they have to make a run, otherwise, you need to find a new coach. But at the same time, I just feel as though he's brought a calmness to the room. And, you know, we talk about adversity. Losing your head coach is a huge deal. Huge. It's huge. I mean, yeah. that rocked the hockey world. Yeah. Not the Dallas Stars, but that rocked the hockey world. And so you think of all the press asking the Stars questions and what's on their mind. So, you know, I mean, this Stars team has faced some adversity this year. They had the slow start. Then they had right. the tornado that hit, yes. which hit Ben Bishop's house and also Tyler Sagan's house for sale. Yeah. So you have that adversity of what's going on in the community, and then you lose your head coach. Right. So through that all, I mean, kudos to Rick Bonus, and also kudos to their assistant coaches, which have picked up the duties as far as, because Rick Bonus was the defensive specialist, and now he's given that up. Right. So, uh, you know, and I think it fires up Rick Bonus. I mean, I think he's like, this is my shot. Yeah. This I'm going to show Ottawa who passed on me and others who passed on me that I deserve a gig in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and you know, he's going to you just alluded to his um you know how he likes to kind of keep things the same. Well, he's got a move coming up potentially that he would need to make that could shake things up on the back end as it was reported last Friday that the Texas Stars of the AHL had I guess recalled or or activated Steven Johns, yep. um, you know, who has been battling, hasn't played in about 17 months, I yeah. believe. Uh, just a really weird thing. You know, he suffered concussions, and then he was suffering from post-traumatic, like, concussion, like, post-traumatic concussions, I guess, or migraines. Yeah, so they didn't want to call it concussion-based. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I I just don't know how you can't conclude I, that I, that didn't have something to do with it. But basically, right. it's a... It's kind of the, I mean, you know, you don't want to spell, but I mean, the best way to describe it, I guess, is kind of a vertigo feeling where yeah. you, you know, you don't have the balance that you need plus a ringing sensation right? and it comes and it goes and sometimes it goes, but then it'll just one day pop back. So this is the first time we've seen Steven Johns. We've seen him at practice and then all of a sudden, we, you know, a couple of setbacks. Mm -hmm. So pretty awesome. And then he goes on the ice for the Texas stars and Wow. Did he look like he was NHL ready? Yeah. Four points and a slap shot that hit the top shelf that was just lightning. So, you know, they're going to have to keep him down for conditioning. And then I think when they bring him up, uh, I think they're going to be very cautious about it. And that's going to be an interesting dilemma for Jim Nill and Rick Bonus. What to do with Steven Johns? I mean, I 
to me, just on the surface level, just right away, assuming that he'll be healthy enough to play and all that, because that's the thing that I worry the most about this. Because right now the team is rolling and, you know, they're playing really good hockey. I want them to err on the side of caution with him and let him keep on playing and make sure, like, hey, like, is he going to be okay? Is this, is he going to, are these headaches and stuff going to return? Because that was, it was a really scary process that this whole, you know, that he's been through this whole time where it was just real, it was real weird. Nobody had any type of answers, but he seems like it would be a, a way to really ease him in would be to, instead of breaking up, you know, Alexiak and Miro or something like that, is to give him, him his uh, give him Roman Polak's spot on that yeah. on that last defensive pairing. I think you will see that, and you know it's un. I guess the unfortunate. I mean, you want him to come back as soon as possible, but it would be nice if the AHL conditioning assignments allowed you to go down there for a number of games. But you have right. to come back up. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be Polak or Sekera. Sekera is playing really good hockey right it, now, he is. And, and you know Polak. He got is off to a well. slow start. He did, yeah, absolutely. That might have been adjusting to the team. So right, right. Um, and then what do you do with Fadoon? So you know, I, I mean, like Fadoon. I like I like Fadoon as well. I think you know he's a guy with NHL proven experience that can come in and play some good offensive hockey. It seems like every time he comes in, he scores a goal. Yeah, and he, last time he did that was <laughs> he found out like forty five minutes before yeah. the game that. You know, Klinger wasn't playing that night because of, I believe it was family-related, something that he was yeah. dealing with that night. You know, and he's like, I was eating dinner with my wife. Yeah. Get the phone call, and I he's like, I barely got there in time for warm-ups. Yeah, but. yeah. I, so I think it's going to be a tough decision, but I would expect them to do third-line defensive pairing and just rotate, you know, Johns uh, with those guys. But I'm with you. I don't move Alexiak. He's no, playing no, great no, no. hockey. His confidence is high. And I love the other night he got in that fight. You know, yeah. he, he he dropped the gloves. And I tweeted right at the time. I said, I love the post. And we've talked about this on the podcast. The post Penguins version of Jamie Alexiak compared to what he was like before he joined the Penguins for a short stint. Yeah, that was an old school hockey fight where you had some rib shots. Yeah. You know? So you were getting in there. And Anaheim likes to fight. Yeah, and I think if Alexiak hadn't have dropped the glove, something else would have happened um, because Anaheim needed to fire themselves up, and uh, Alexiak answered the bell and did a uh, did a great job. And you know that sends a message to Anaheim and the rest of the teams. It's like don't screw with my young defenseman, yeah, because I'm on the ice as well. And that's what we talked about in terms of kind of what Hatch would do for a Zuboff. Yeah. You know, when they were together, Hatcher would come over and it was like, all right, well, yeah, you can make a run at him if you want, but I'm going to drop whatever I'm doing and I'm going to come find you at that moment and you better be ready to drop the gloves. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, it's essential. Like, I know it could be old school hockey, but the fact remains, it's like, you know, when Dustin Bufflin was on the ice, it was protecting his line mate. Yeah. You know, they're all good players, but right. at the same time... Um, you know, big and small, there's some effective play about that. And you also, yeah, you allow Miro Haskinen to roam free, which is the best version of Miro Haskinen. If he needs to even think about staying home at defensively, if he even second guesses himself, that's when there's an issue. Right. I also like what Alexiak's bringing a little bit offensively. You know, he's getting his confidence back. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's had some scoring opportunities and, I just think he's a hidden gem on this Stars team. And, you know, good trade by Jim Nill. Very smart move. You know, signing him. They just him. undid the trade. Yeah. It was literally the draft pick that they got for him that they gave right back. Yeah. And, like, to me, that's the perfect trade. 
just totally undid all that, and you got a better version of Jamie Alexiak. Who knows what that draft pick's going to turn into? Yeah, absolutely. So, so. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's Stephen Johns that goes into that third defensive pairing when he's ready. You're going to take it slow. I don't think his ice time will be up, but let's talk about what he brings. I mean, the offensive yeah. skill set is impressive, um, and he's one of those guys that you know reminds me not with the skill set necessarily because he's been injured for so long, but he mm-hmm. reminds me of a Shea Weber where he yeah. can be a stay home defenseman, but he's got a great shot from the point. And you better keep your head on a swivel. Exactly. Because he will lay you out. Yeah. And so. that's, that's what, you know, the last time he played, that's what he brought to this team that it was so desperately lacking at the time. You know, for a long time, we've been talking about the Stars as a real finesse team. Nobody's really scared of the Stars. You can push them around in the playoffs, this and that. You can't do that, at least when Steven Johns is on the ice. Yeah, you can't. He would lead them in hits. He was always blocking shots. I mean, he is like, I would say he's like a hockey's player, hockey player. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. He's great offensively. He's really underrated, I believe, at moving the puck. Um, and defensively, I think that's where he's, you know, that's where he's his strongest. And his ability to get up and down the ice, but his ability to change the game with, you know, momentum changing hits. And uh, just you know, just there were times you'd get caught slipping around the front of the front of the net. I can act like he's a perfect shutdown defenseman, but I think the Shea Weber comparison is a really, really good one. And uh, hopefully, you know, he's able to come back to the Dallas Stars at full capacity, and these these headaches and things aren't going to be a lingering issue. If he can, to me, that is just like a trade at the trade deadline. We're only about five to six weeks away from the trade yeah. deadline. Hard to believe. And I have a list of some players oh, who might be I'm available excited. here. I'm excited to can go through you. them. So the reality is, is the stars are right up against the cap. Like right up against yeah. the cap. Yeah. So cap flexibility is going to be very tough for the stars this year. Mm-hmm. So with that, and you question, do you want to give some players away in the minors? Who would you give away? If you give away, like if I'm a team, I'm looking at Jake Ettinger uh, mm-hmm. for Texas. But if I'm the Stars, I'm like, that's my future in net. That was a first round draft pick, Netminder. Hey, if you're going to take this Netminder, maybe you open up some space for us to keep Hudobin, but you're going to have to take the Yanmark contract, maybe. Or, right. And that's the thing is, I'm trying to think of glaring contracts that are players that would be expendable to the Dallas Stars for a, for a cup run. So one of the things that's happening is fascinating is that there are teams with cap space that are now not necessarily saying, hey, we'll trade our players. What they're saying is, we have loads of cap space. We'll take on your cap guy to free up space so you can make a trade, but it's going to cost you dearly. Yeah, draft picks or a guy like Gettinger, a prospect. A young prospect. Something like that. So that's kind of a fascinating twist that we haven't seen. Anaheim's one of those teams that has cap space. They're not going anywhere, and they're kind of throwing that out there like, hey, we're available. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ottawa Senators are another team that doesn't mind taking on some cap space so they could build for the future. Uh, So, yeah. So, But I look at Johns as kind of an amazing acquisition if he can stay healthy because, uh, you know, what would, and I think that's the question you have to ask yourself, Stars fans, what would make this team better? Is it it Tyler Toffoli from the LA Kings? That's on my list. He has an expiring contract. Right now he's about mid-20s as far as a point guy. 
Um, he's only 27 years old. He's a big guy coming down the wing. And then the question is, where do you put him? Do you put him at the third line? He's probably not a third-line player. He's more like a second-line player. So who do you drop down? And it's weird to say that because, I mean, I guess if it's Tyler Toffoli or Guriano or Rupe Hintz, I probably have to go with Toffoli right now because he's more proven. But I love what the kids are doing, and I don't want to, I don't want to drop him down to a checking line. And, and Bonus has said that he was going to keep uh, Hintz and Guryanov together because he likes so much what they do yeah, you know, on the same line absolutely. and how they complement each other, which right. is something else that we talked about super early on. You were the one that pointed out, hey, these guys work really well together. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be interesting. I'm not, I don't know how I would feel about that because I was just sitting here thinking too, like what exactly would I want the Dallas Stars to add? I think a puck-moving defenseman might not hurt, and I think you're getting that with Steven Johns. All right, well, you know? do you want me to throw another name out there? Yeah. Somebody with an expiring contract, a familiar face, not the best offensively, but very solid defensively and can move the puck. Brendan Dillon with the San Jose Sharks is an unrestricted free agent after this season. What would be your interest level in bringing Brendan Dillon back? You know, a la Jamie Alexiak, who we were just talking about. Um, you know, who, who returns to the Dallas Stars after, you know, getting rid of them. So Brendan Dillon right now is playing kind of a first or second defensive pair role. Yeah. So you would have to look. It's not going to be Klingberg Lindell. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, you know, I have to look uh, if uh, Dillon's a left or right shot and how it compares with Haskinen. But maybe that's it. And then you drop down Alexiak to pair with Johns if Johns is healthy. Yeah. And then you have to figure out the uh, Polak, Sekera. You know, it's it's a tough conversation to have because, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I don't know if I want to give this guy this guy. But, I mean, it's not like this. I mean, the Stars are a really, really good team. Yeah. But I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out who do I want to drop from this team the way things are going at the same time, pick someone up. And what am I giving? What am I giving up for an expiring contract with Brendan Dillon? Mm-hmm. maybe a second and a third pick. That's probably what I'm looking at, and that might be too rich. Maybe I'm giving up a third round pick. Yeah, and like you said, the draft picks are so valuable now. You know, like, I felt like for a long time that they weren't taken as seriously, especially in the NHL, but they've those are proving to become super, you know, valuable you know, in the sport in terms of, you know, building your team and moving forward like that. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it has to do with the salary cap and to give up a first round pick, you're giving up a potential great player, right? That is protected for several years. Yeah. And that helps you cap space. The perfect example right now is Miro Haskinen. Yeah. yeah. When Miro Haskinen becomes a restricted free agent or before that, you're talking six, seven, maybe 7.5 a year. Yeah. Right now, you know, you're saving five to six million on Miro Haskinen. You know, so I think it's that's that's where draft picks become valuable because if you can hit on those draft picks, that's your window to win. I mean, related to another sport, we just had the window to win with Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing that he's about to get paid a very large sum. Yeah. Well, um, let's see what you think about uh, a couple more defensemen I have here. 
from the New Jersey Devils, Sammy Vatanen, has an expiring contract. That was somebody that, you know, when they came to town, I, I really focused in on him because he had the weird thing where he was with the Ducks for a yeah. while and then left the NHL and came back. Um, I've always kind of enjoyed watching his game, but I wasn't super impressed by what I saw that night, but it wasn't an impressive night for them. And also, they just fired their GM, Ray Shero, yeah. after getting rid of their coach right before uh, right, yeah, right before the uh, the Stars played the Jersey Devils here in town. So first off, Sammy Votnin, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a difference maker. Um, you know, I think last year getting Lovejoy from the Devils was more of a yeah. better fit because defensively you needed that stay-at-home defense uh, defenseman. Um, I don't think the Stars need a Sammy Votnin right now. Um, so I would I would pass on that. I think he's a good player, but probably more useful for another team. The whole New Jersey situation is fascinating. So weird. Because it's like you get rid of your best player in Taylor Hall or, you know, arguably, right. you know, one of the league's top players in Taylor Hall. And you get rid of your coach and now you're playing better hockey, but then you still fire your GM. Right. The guy that you fired because you were so bad immediately gets picked up by Nashville who fires a coach who has a top, you know, I think he's one of the top six in the NHL as far as wins the last few years in Peter Laviolette. So it just, you know, the whole situation just didn't make sense to me. Like, but at the same time, I mean, we'll see how it pans out, but New Jersey making wholesale changes. I think if they had the choice, they'd probably dump Subban, but I think that contract is probably too rich for anyone to take on, especially this point in the season. Yeah. Um, And I wonder if that, Maybe is what they fired the GM for. Was it maybe the PK soup? I mean, it's tough to fire him for that because he was the most coveted free agent on the market. Yeah. But if you look at the way it's turned out for them, I mean, is giving a big name player like that a giant contract and then him underperforming so terribly the GM's responsibility or the head coach or are they just firing everybody? Right, right, absolutely. And I guess that's probably the question they're asking themselves and maybe why they want to try to wipe the slate clean and you know, just go a different direction. I think the toughest thing as well for New Jersey that people have to think about is you're competing in a land that the Rangers are a major, major factor. Like hockey, New York, you think of Rangers. Oh, yeah, there are the Islanders that are playing really good hockey and then there's the Devils. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that's and you know if you're the Devils you're competing against the Philadelphia Flyers who aren't too far away right. and they're playing great hockey too. So you know I think you know they're competing for audience right now and because of that you know their expectations are probably higher. I still go back to why they let go of Lou Lamorello years ago. It didn't make yeah. sense. I've always coveted Lou Lamorello as a GM. He went to Toronto and rebuilt. Toronto was awful. And just in a few years, he rebuilt that franchise. Then he moves to the New York Islanders, and look what you know him and Barry Trotz are doing. So you know it's kind of fascinating. But speaking of New Jersey, I don't think the Devils will do it. But if I'm the Stars, one guy I am interested in is Blake Coleman. Get the Plano native back here. Yeah. I think then all of a sudden you're talking about you can move people down because to yeah. me, Blake Coleman brings so much to the table. He's one of those guys that I refer to as heavy. And, like, he likes to push people around. He's not Uh one of those, like, huge guys, but he just looks big on the ice. Right. He's got a nice scoring touch. He's young. He's from this area. 
Um, it's always special when he plays around here. Yeah. So I mean, I I think the I think the Devils are crazy if they give him up. I don't, yeah, I don't it's think it's like they would why do would it. we give up a young controllable player? The, who are you giving us? To me, right. he's probably the most valuable asset on New Jersey right now. I totally agree, and like he's the one silver lining for that club. <laughs> You know, for the entire season. Oh, yeah. And the only thing, like, so fans would just absolutely lose their mind unless it was some crazy return. But I don't know what type of return the Stars would give that would be more exciting to Devils fans than, uh, you know, than having Blake Coleman. Yeah, Um, you'd have to you'd have to give up a bunch. It would probably be a combination of draft picks and maybe a uh, prospect. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at Blake Coleman's uh, contract right now. 1.8 this year, 1.8 million next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a cheap date for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Uh, we'll stay with the Devils real quick. I just want to get your thoughts on this. This is a guy that we talked about on free agency as potentially being a guy that the Stars, you would like to see him acquire when the Nashville Predators acquired him last season. You know, I remember you were very, you are very, why couldn't we got Wayne Simmons? Yeah. Your thoughts on Wayne Simmons? It seems like, I don't know if it's just the culture in New Jersey is, Having an effect, he does not look like any type of the player that you know you saw him play. Like how you saw him play in Philadelphia or even in Nashville last year after he was acquired. I've always been a big Wayne Simmons guy ever since the L.A. Kings, and uh, I love how he embraced the community of Philadelphia uh, when he was traded. Uh, I love what he brings. I love his size. I love how he gets in front of the net. You know, no one wants to take on Wayne Simmons. Um, but he has struggled with that system. And, you know, even before that system... And this is a agency, rental, by the way. Yeah. Is Simmons up this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a rental for this season. He's a, he's a pending free agent. So if Wayne Simmons is a pending free agent, I think, therefore, his value goes down based on the season he's had. Right. And he's not controllable. So you could look at a third or fourth round pick maybe to acquire him. Now, that is a guy that might fit on that fourth line. Right. You'd have to right. make a tough decision like, okay, do I sit Yanmark or who do I sit? And Yanmark's playing better hockey right now. But um, I like Wayne Simmons' toughness. and uh, Or you could put him on the third line uh, yeah. and figure that out. And maybe Cagliano drops down. But, uh, you know, you got a lot of guys that are doing some really good things right now, so it's tough for you and I to talk about what – person sits. I mean, personally, I feel as though while Yanmark's playing better, I think we've seen the best of Matias Yanmark. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think he's a good player. And, and then if when you bring tell- up the cap hit. Yeah. I mean, is he at 2.3 right now? Two point. Uh, let me. So I know he's mid twos. 2.3. So he's 2.3 million this year. That's tough for a player like Matias Yanmark. Right. I mean, you know, you hate to be like, hey, you know, I'm going to wheel and deal here, but I need a couple of guys around the 800,000 to 1.5 million. Right. Range. Yes. I can't have all my guys at two point. Radic Fox is the same way. I think Radic Fox is having a nice bounce back season. Right. I, I just can't have everyone making 2.5 million. Right. I need, give me a couple of guys that are cheaper. So therefore I can acquire free agents to better my team. All right, uh, we'll go back to def- uh, to defense here. Zach Bogosian with the Buffalo Sabres. He's already requested a trade. He already has a an expiring contract. Thoughts on Zach B- uh, Bogosian in a uh, Dallas Star sweater? I like him. Uh, it doesn't send me over the top. Like right. I'm wondering, like what that, I'm trying to compare. That's like a seventh defenseman. Yeah, exactly. Year. What I'm wondering is, is like, okay, my worst defenseman right now probably. 
I guess would be Fadoon, but I'm looking at like let's look at Fadoon, uh, Sakura, and Polak. Mm. Is Zach Bogosian that much better than any nah. of those three? No, nah. not to give up assets for. So I mean, I would it would say be a point. very very low return, which I guess would be yeah. the would be the upside to that. But like we just talked about. Steven John's coming back, assuming that things don't just go poorly, you know, right off the bat or something, and he's not able to return. That is a, a way better trade, quote unquote trade, than uh, Zach Bogosian. Yeah, I also have, uh, I think one thing to think about on the defensive core, too, is, you know, I have a Joel Hanley, I have a. Uh, yeah, I, I have a Dylan Hetherington if I need a bigger defenseman, I have a Gavin Bayreuther. You know, so I have guys with NHL experience that I can call up. Right. So, I mean, I personally, I think I'm good. Yeah. Unless you're going to give me someone. So would you rather trade for a defenseman or a forward? I would rather, if I'm going to make a trade, I think, I think you got to go forward. I, I'm I'm looking at a, uh, a guy like a Wayne Simmons. Can I give you a name that really sticks out to me? It's a guy that I've always really enjoyed his game. He's not necessarily doing well with his new club. But I think it's a guy that would fit in really nicely on the Dallas Stars. I'm talking about Mikhail Granlund with the Nashville Predators. Yeah. I've always loved his game, um, and I think that he is that type. I think that he is a Matthias Yanmark, but a lot better. Yeah, I think he's got a better scoring touch. And I think that that is a third or fourth line guy that yeah, you know, you, yet opponents have to. Well, hey, they're fourth lines out here, but they still got Granlund out there. You know, make sure you guys keep an eye on him. You know, he's I'm got in that, on Granlund. He's got that speed that. You know, can get them. You know that that defenses really have to respect. I, I would like to see the Dallas Stars and the Nashville Predators are falling out of playoff contention. They're yeah. totally falling apart just in general. Um, I, and, and they're not afraid to pull the trigger. So right. Um, and, and I guess trade. the question is: is like, okay, what am I giving up for cap space for Granlin um, to make this trade work? And if I'm Nashville, do I want to help the Dallas Stars? Yeah. Which that might be the tough. That might be the toughest thing. It's right? weird to say, but that's a factor. Definitely. Oh, there's teams all the time in any sport that say, "Well, yeah, we we want to move this guy, but we will not move him within the division." Yeah, but yeah. it's an expiring contract, right? Which helps out the Dallas Stars' case because the Predators then would probably just look at it. Well, we're not in the playoffs anyway, so might as well give, you know, take some of Dallas's assets. They can go try to win a cup if they want, you know, and then hopefully they don't resign and we don't have to watch Grandland. You know, in a star's uniform for years to come. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I guess the the question comes. Let's look it's at a the five point seven five million dollar yeah, cap. Hit. That's too big. That's too big. Too big for not a fourth line player. It. I mean, yeah. you're not going to be able to. And that's what stars fans have to realize. Anytime you say to yourself like, "Oh, the stars should get this guy," I'm with you. They should get that yeah. guy. It'd be the awesome. Pro- the problem is, is what are you going to dump as far as cap space for another team to take on? You're almost talking maybe a three-way trade in that make a trade to free up cap space and then make that second trade. That's Foley's is 4.6. Yeah. Which, I mean, is worth it, I think, for that player, but now you're getting into the cap gymnastics of how does this team financially afford these players? And a guy, and it probably would be an expiring contract because... A guy like Tyler Toffoli, are you going to be able to re-sign him? And probably the odds are against it based on your cap situation. So they are, in fact, just true rentals. And that's fine. Right. But it definitely stings if you're giving up 
if you're giving up a mid-round draft pick, I can live with that. Right. Um, if you think a Tyler Toffoli is going to take you over the top. However, just realize after a couple of months, um, you know, they're no longer going to be there. The other thing I think that's happening right now in the NHL is that there are a lot of teams still in it. So the Montreal Canadiens um, have to decide, are we buyers or sellers? Yeah. There's a lot of pressure in Montreal to do well. The Ottawa Senators have to say, hey, you know what? We're playing better hockey, and every year we seems like we dump our team. We can't, <laughs> yeah. The only one we can't dump is Bobby Ryan based on his contract. Right, right. But, I mean, we have some good players. Do we want to get back into that where we dump more? Um, because if you're dumping every year, the fan base is going to give up on you. So that's a question mark, but I think they're going to be sellers. Nashville, you said it. Although they're falling, you know, one quick run and they might be back in it. Sure. So how long before Nashville decides if they're buyers and sellers? Now, we still have about six weeks left, so there's time. But I would say the next three to four weeks for about six or seven teams will determine the uh, NHL trade market. Yeah, and that's that's the tough thing is, you know— Hockey fans, when you're trying to determine if a team is going to be a buyer or a seller, it's really easy to look at. Oh well, they're only six points behind out of you know the second wild card. But if they're six points behind the second wild card, but they also have five teams between them in that second wild card spot, you're not only trying to make up that that deficit in points. You've got to also remember a lot of these teams in front of them are playing every each night as well. And so it's not just the amount of points, it's how many teams you have to climb. Right. So you can be eight points back and there's six teams, you know? Yeah. And you're you're that's basically like a sixteen or like maybe a twelve point disadvantage or a deficit because if that team just goes to overtime, they're gaining one point. So you're only gaining one point while you guys are going, you know, playing on the same night, not even going head to head. Yeah, and then you look at teams like Pittsburgh and yeah. Boston. Um who do a really nice job developing their prospects into NHL caliber players. And yeah. what that does is that sends a message to the rest of the NHL. Hey, you know that guy that you like in that Boston system? Well, mm-hmm. look at their track record. Yeah. And this yeah. guy's coming up fast. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to be anti-stars, but who in the stars system do you say, whoa, this guy's coming through? Yeah. Now there are a few guys. It would be. I mean, I guess it would be just proven guys now. Like Rope Hence would be exactly. my would be my one A. Hey, look at Rope Hence. How he flew up the system. You know, I know we did a really poor job developing talent there for a minute, but it really seems like with the emergence of him and now Dennis Gurionov, we're starting to. You know, yeah. turn that around. What's the what's the? And I wouldn't trust any goalie in the star system right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the value of Jason Robertson? What's the value um, of a guy like Gavin Bayreuther, who coming out of college was a big free agent signing by the Stars? Yeah, you know, had a couple of good years, and then all of a sudden finds himself in the NHL, played really well for a short period of time, got injured, and you know, this year just, you know, just hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. So, or Dylan Hetherington, which you know the Stars got from Columbus in a trade, but. Every time he comes up, I think he looks good, but just can't crack that roster. So I think the question becomes, when you look at the Stars system, who is it? You know, is a uh, Ty Delandria um, that valuable? I mean, you know, is is it a kid like that who you drafted in the first round a couple of years back, which everyone kind of 
you know, the comparisons of Brendan Morrow, where he's a smart player on the ice. So, um, and, you know, almost made the stars this year, you know, in camp played really well. So, I mean, I think there were some guys, but there's, I look at it this way. There's no one in their system that is like, that guy is the target from all teams. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess the guy that I would, if I had to submit somebody in the minors right now that, that teams would really identify as the guy they would want in that, uh, in a trade I think it would be Ettinger. Yeah. I think that would be the guy, but I think that's the guy that the stars are kind of looking at to maybe, you know, as as much as it sucks to say, like let Anton Hudobin walk because of what we're talking about in terms of cap space and all that, and bringing up a guy like Ettinger and just saying, hey, hopefully, you know, hopefully he can fill in and do it. You know, Dobby did here with the Dallas Stars. That'll save us a lot to give us a lot of cap relief. And then, hey, now you turn to Ben Bishop and you say, look, we got a couple different things for you here. Not only are you going to have to help us develop Jake Ettinger into a goalie up here at the NHL level, you know, there's a chance. He struggles a little bit in his transition to the NHL. We may need you to, you know, you're used to splitting time with Dobby. We may need you to kind of take go back to the uh, the early Tampa Bay Lightning days where you're starting every single night because Vasilevsky hadn't we, really developed yet. Yeah, and I think I think Bishop would probably welcome that. Because Absolutely, he loves playing. You right, know, he, he you know he doesn't like sitting. Right. Um, I so I've watched Ettinger and I watched him at Boston University and liked him. I thought he, you know, he was on a bad Terrier squad. They had, you know, um, just the goals against was not there. But I mean, it was just a bad hockey squad at Boston University. So he comes out, you know, which I think was the right decision. And you know, I see him play for Team USA in the juniors, and he's the backup goaltender. Yeah, which was fascinating because on Team Canada that same year was Colton Point. Yeah, um, who has not been able to put it together. You know, I mean, I thought, you know, when they. When they came out, Colton Point came out of Colgate, Ettinger out of Boston University. Point was the lower draft pick, but a lot of people are saying, hey, this Point kid, yeah. you know? So um, so Ettinger was the backup for Team USA, but the time I did see him, he played well. So then he comes to the AHL late last year and played really, really well. So he's splitting time this year, and I think the development is certainly there. We need to remember that goaltenders don't necessarily, there are going to be the exceptions to the rule, but having a goaltender come up at 19, 20, 21 is a rarity. You know, usually you're looking at a goaltender around 24, 25, 26 to start to develop. We look at Jack Campbell and what he's done after yeah. all those years of struggling in in our farm system. Yeah, and, and even uh, Jordan Bennington last season. Yeah. You know, nobody, yeah. Had, nobody had even really heard, or I mean, probably maybe some Blues fans, but when Bennington came up, I had never really heard of him, or, yeah. or really like followed his career. He was a well-traveled playing. goalie. He'd been he'd been down there for a minute, yeah. And he comes up, and now look at him. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there there were those stories. I mean, a long time, you know, goalie for the Bruins, Tim Thomas. Um, yeah, you know, was one of those guys that was a well-traveled person. And you look at right in our own backyard, for, Anton Hudobin, right now. Yes, you know, when I was covering the Houston Arrows. Um, and Hudobin was their starting goalie. The big thing was consistency. You know, mm-hmm. Hudobin won game would be like, whoa, this guy, how is he in the AHL? He should be in, in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And just wasn't, you know, and then you'd look at another game and you're like, oh, wow. Well, we also have to understand similar to Gurianov and Nachushkin, you know, Hudobin was learning the language. Yeah, I actually yeah. talked to a couple of uh, players um, about, because I wanted to talk about Hudobin and how well he's playing. And I asked one of his teammates, also a broadcaster, so I said, was Hudobin that kind of personality when he played 
you know, for Houston. Yeah. And they said, they both said, yes, <laughs> it was a much quieter version. So we had the personality time to get comfortable. Yeah. I mean, we got to think about it. You got to learn the language. You got to adapt, you know? That's and, awesome. And he was a young kid, but they, they knew the personality was there. Right. They just said when it came out, it was great. <laughs> um, but came, you know, got called up to Minnesota. Didn't do what the expectations called for. So now all of a sudden he's a goaltender that, you know, is kind of looking for work, kind of bounced around. Carolina started to see some good signs. And uh, then he goes to Boston, plays really, really well. So it just seems like he's getting better with age. Um, So my thing is, if they have the cap space available, I do... I think you're going to have to do a multi-year because if I'm Hudobin, I'm like, I'm like, hey, why would I have to yeah, prove why myself? Would, yeah, exactly. It's two years or bust. I yeah. got teams after me. If I'm Jim Nil, I'd say two years, three million a year. Yeah. So, and if Hudobin says no, then you got to deal with it. Yeah. You just got to I mean. I know Stars fans would hate for him to walk because of his personality, because of his goaltending style. I mean. He is very flashy on the ice. Yeah. He is extremely flashy. Now, he makes ama- like he makes saves look amazing. Right. And it's just his style where he's just one of those guys where it's like Bishop, <laughs> every goal that Bishop lets in looks like a soft goal. Right. right. So it's just different goaltending styles. And every great save Bishop makes, everyone, it kind of looks, you know. I mean, you don't see it. Looks, he makes it look easy. Yeah, he makes it look Almost easy. Almost to a fault. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, I think Ettinger is an interesting because that to me is going to determine Star's cap space for the future. Can can he take that next step, and can they afford to have a guy when you got Sagan Ben, you know, come in and play that backup goaltender role? Yeah, and it is amazing, like you were alluding to, just Hudova makes some saves, and I'll, I'll look, I'll be like. I honestly have no idea how he did that, but I'm glad he did. Yeah. You know, like it's real scrambly. It's like a real controlled, <laughs> like a real controlled chaos. Yeah, it is. And it's a lot of fun to watch. It is. So, and his, his post game interviews are awesome. His reactions on the bench are great. I love going to the games every single time out. So I, I'm the where, where I am, I'm looking uh-huh. straight down at Anton Hudovic. <laughs> and that is my focus during timeouts. <laughs> Is Anton Where he like over. hangs over the boards? He and hangs stuff. over the board. So Bishop never goes to the bench. Bishop just skates <laughs> back and forth. So Hudobin during the break has no one to talk to if he's not talking to his teammates. <laughs> so Hudobin will chat it up with the linesmen. You know, he'll chat it up with other players. It is just hilarious yeah. to watch. You know, and you know, I just appreciate that. It seems as though as he's getting older, he loves the game even more. Yeah, and you know, you need those guys in the room. I it's mean, infectious when you just yeah. watch it as a Stars fan. Yeah. So imagine being in the room, you know, and and just like having that kind of energy and vibe around you all the time. Yeah. Um, no, man. That's, I mean, the nickname alone, Dobie. Yeah, is just so sweet. <laughs> and oh, real quick too, we got it before we hit. Uh, we're gonna hit a couple of mailbag questions while we're talking goalies here. I just want to bring up. Pecorine scoring a goal, yeah, an empty netter, and I believe I saw it from Sean Shapiro just talking about Ben Bishop and and uh, and Anton Udobin after the Stars game that night because I believe it was the night was it the night that they played the oh it was the night that they played the Ducks. This is after the Ducks game. Uh, they guess they were talking with him and Ben Bishop and Anton Udobin were just talking about how thrilled they were for Pecorine scoring that goal. I want Anton Udobin to score an empty net goal. I mean, I would actually, any type of goal, if the goalie is in the net, that'd be even better somehow. But 
I want Anton Udobin to <laughs> score a goal so bad because yeah. I think he's the more likely of the two because he's got more of that wild card factor where he'll just grab and go, all right, whatever, I'm going to take a shot. Right. I want to see his celebration because Pecorino's celebration was was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then all the guys coming over and, and hugging him. I think Anton Udobin's celebration for as as much you know traction as and video as his you know his disappointment get you know where he breaks a stick after the game's over or something. I think the emotion he would show would just be incredible. Yeah, no, I would definitely love to see it. It's one of the great things to see in hockey because the anticipation of of the puck being thrown up and then the yeah, roll, the yeah. roll just gets the crowd going. And you, you know? and you saw the the Blackhawks players. I'm not sure who was on defense. You could see the moment he knew it was going in, just the whole give up in his body. Yeah. Of just like, man, we really just allowed a goal to the goalie. <laughs> you know? So IndyCar Tim posted a funny, you know, it was side by side of Joe Thornton and Pecorino. Oh, and he said the NHL scoring race. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why, because, I mean, I looked at it and I was like, oh boy, that's true this year. But then I thought to myself, we know, I know Joe Thornton's going in the NHL Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Pecorine is a very interesting... Now, he just passed Rogi Vachon um, as far as wins by a goaltender. I got to tell you, I think he gets in. I, I think, think so, it's, too. I, I think he's just one of those guys that, um, you know, you look at the career, you look at, you know, the amount of times he's taken his teams in the playoffs. He's never been able to take them over the top. He was taken in the eighth round. Yeah. 258th overall in the 2004 NHL draft. That is insane. He's still playing at a high level. Still. I mean, I just think, you know, it's very like uh, Adrian Beltre-like, where the years are going to pile up, therefore the wins and the stats are going to pile up as well. Um, Been a great ambassador to the game, so... Uh, yeah, I just thought it was funny that the side by side comparison, but yeah. you know, kudos. I know his teammates feel love bad him. for Joe Thorne for that one too. Yeah, he was, one of the, he was one of those guys on the on the Winter Classic, you know, all access or behind the Winter Classic. Uh, yeah, he was one of those guys that was cool that they focused on walking down the street, you know, with the game on his mind, but seeing Nashville fans and stopping and high fiving yeah. them and everything. I mean, he's That's beloved awesome. in Nashville. Now, Nashville people are like, please take us over the top. <laughs> Right, and if I mean, if I'm a Nashville fan, I mean, I'm looking at like Carter Hutton was behind Pecorine, and now he's doing great he's things in Buffalo. It. He's killing it in Buffalo, and now I look at a guy named UC Soros who's sitting behind him. Every single time I see Soros, I'm like, that's a good goaltender. He is. So the question is, is like, are they going to move on from Rene eventually? But and you just have to look at the stars with and with Ben Bishop's former team with Andre Vasilevsky yeah. behind him and. And, you know, Ben Bishop gets hurt in the postseason. He takes over. He shows what kind of goalie he is. Then they start to do kind of a timeshare in the goalie, you know, in net in Tampa. And next thing you know, they're on to Andre Vasilevsky, who's yeah, now considered one, right. of the top, comparison. Yeah. one of the top NHL goaltenders. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to take those chances for your future. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Great, great goal. It was uh, it was fun to watch. I wish more goaltenders would do it, but now, know. you know nowadays it does bring would up. They chew, would the coaches chew them out for that though? Like, come uh, on, man! Like, you know that was, I believe, a two goal two goal game. I think so too. I think if it's a one goal game, yes, right, yes, you are scorned. Um, but at the same time, I think two goals. It's Pecorine. 
you know, it livens up the team, you know, uh, they all love him. So I think in that case, he was okay. But one of the interesting things that's starting to be talked about in NHL circles is icing because it's happening more and more. Uh-huh. So on Hockey Night in Canada, you know, they were talking about should the NHL put a rule in place where if there are 10 NHL icings in a game, a two-minute minor penalty follows. Oh, it's kind of like, um, you know, when they introduced the delay of game for yeah. throwing the puck out of the... Out so of the I don't, uh, I don't know edge. if it's gaining any momentum, but I will tell you, sitting at Stars games... It becomes a beating after a while. And the Stars over the last few seasons have been one of the teams that's iced the puck the most. Yeah, especially uh, when you're looking toward the end of the game because what's what's happening, and, and they did such a great breakdown on Hockey Night in Canada talking about this, yeah. is analytics are telling these teams that icing the puck is safer and taking that draw on your own end than doing something where it's you're trying to flip the puck up or, right. you know, so icing analytics wise has become safer toward the end of the game. So teams know that there's no repercussions otherwise, other than you're tired on the ice. So therefore if analytics is telling us that we're just going to ice the puck toward the end of the game. Yeah. I wonder how that would affect. Cause I remember maybe it was last season or the season before they were talking about the idea of, on um on a power play, the penalty kill losing the advantage, which is being able to just ice the puck with no repercussion. Yeah, I wonder how that would factor in if they were to get or if they were to penalize you. You know, if if you ice the puck too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it all depends. If you're icing the puck ten times in a game, I mean. Does it reset then? Like maybe after the first ten, like after five or like two more, it's it's, another two it's, minutes. It's, it's fascinating because I think the game is still fast, but I have noticed sitting through Stars games that it does take longer. Yes, yes, and that tends to grind on you. I mean, I remember being able to go to a seven thirty game, and it's no longer seven thirty when they drop the puck. We're looking at like seven thirty five, seven forty. Yeah. So you're now getting out of there at used to be able to get out of there if they drop the puck right at 7:30, but somewhere between 9:35, 9:40, somewhere around there. Now it's now, a solid no. 10 to 10:10. 10, 10, I'm leaving that arena. It, yeah, and I typically if it's a 7:30, I'm thinking more like 10:20. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. So, I mean, I feel as though the games are getting longer and it is affecting me. And if analytics are saying that, then the NHL will do something to push back, you know, so that they don't just tend to continue to elongate the games by yeah. just icing the puck whenever things get yeah. dicey. But I do like how they're trying to tweak the game. I like how they're yeah. playing around. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, before I forget, other news that came out. So due to the success of NHL overtime where they play three on three, there's going to be a new... North American three-on-three league. Oh, awesome. Is Ice Cube buying this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it started by EJ Johnston, who's the son of the former uh, goalie and general manager, Ed Johnston. So he's teamed up with Craig Patrick, who's in the NHL Hall of Fame, and they're calling it Three Ice. And it's similar to what they have in basketball. Yeah. And it's totally independent. And it's three-on-three. You have seven players per team. It's three-on-three with a goalie. 
and they're going to do similar. They're just going to be independent teams that tour. Wow. Yeah. So well, it's it's going to be to me. It, oh, so it won't have they won't have like a a home team. Like, will they have a home? Like, like no, like the Dallas. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Because you'd have to, right? Or well, how do they do it in uh, basketball with? The big three. Well, yeah, I guess it's not. Yeah. It's based they just, off, they, they do it, they name it around like a, a player, I guess, is what I remember. I haven't watched, I haven't watched the big three in a while, but wow. Yeah. So, so they already have a TV deal with CBS Sports, TSN, which is the ESPN up yeah. north in Canada, mm-hmm. and RDS. Um, so it's going to air exclusively on CBS Sports Network. Championship game is going to air nationally on CBS. Um. Yeah, these are some of the big three teams. Threes Company, Three-Headed Monsters, Killer Threes. So it's just totally, yeah, they just tour and yeah. they'll have stops. So like we could go to, I'm sure they would have one at the American Airlines Center. It's like, hey, come check out. Absolutely. You know. So here's how it's going to work. So you get seven games if you go in a single elimination format. And a champion will be crowned. That's awesome. At each of the nine stops across North America. No penalties, only penalty shots. This is like NHL hits, but yeah, maybe exactly. not quite as violent. So they're similar to the XFL. They're saying no long intermissions, um, no stoppage play for video, and they say just pure excitement. Wow. So they're using a full size rink. That's um, my next question. So every game is going to be two. Eight-minute halves using a running clock. That This is like NHL hits. So, I mean, I just wonder the players, like, can they? Well, so that's what I was just thinking. They're going to be exhausted. They're going to be exhausted. And I was thinking, like, how to draw up some intrigue, which would be to maybe get former players that would agree to do this. But I don't know if a former player is going to want to play that, you know, two eight-minute halves with no stoppages, basically. Yeah, it's going to be maybe Oof. some career minor leaguers, some guys that have played over in Europe. I wonder and you might get a former, you know, NHLer or two, and you know, and then you got to find the goaltenders too. So right, it's I, it's kind of you know, I mean, three on three is so fast, right? Um, but we have to remember in the NHL, the NHL three on three is after three twenty minute periods. Yeah, so they're true. pretty gassed true. at that point. True. So, I mean, we see it in the NHL All-Star game. We'll see it in a couple of weeks in St. Louis where they play the three-on-three format. Yeah. Um, I'm all, I'm on board with that. I, yeah. I would go check it out. It's an interesting league, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm already intrigued. Like, the possibility is just, like, flying through my mind right now in terms of, you know, like we were just talking about what kind of players you'd get to to, to form these teams, the yeah. goaltenders. Where you, I feel like goaltender would probably be the easiest thing to play, quote you know, in quotes. Easiest, yeah, I mean, but, you get – you basically – you're in the arena – and you watch hockey for 16 minutes, they clean the ice, maybe a couple of minutes later, and then you're watching another game. You know, and it's kind of like single elimination, round robin style. It's just, it's kind of fascinating, you know? Um, so we'll see when that uh, takes place. They're going to begin play in 2021. Oh, wow. So we're getting pretty... Yeah. Mm, yeah. So the just announced. Year. Just announced. And, wow. uh, you know, we're talking about it on the Sweaters Forever uh, podcast. Proudly presented by Choctaw. We sure are. Now we'll hit a couple of the mailbag questions here. All right, um, let's hit them. I've got one here from Krusty Nuggets at Krusty Nuggets 4. And they want to know what our postseason predictions are for the Stars. I mean, we're all, 
We're talking trade deadline. We've we've gotten this a couple times, so we'll periodically hit them because it changes, you know, based on how the season goes. But I mean, as I sit here right now, I the only team I really feel like the stars currently, if they play as they're playing right now in the postseason, would lose to in a in a postseason match is the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, which you might draw in the first round. Right. So that's where you have to be careful. Uh, you match up really well against the Calgary Flames. So if they win the Pacific, that's not a bad matchup if you're a wild card team. Now, yeah, if Calgary you, doesn't really scare me. No, a- Arizona is interesting because they play the Stars tough. I don't want to play Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver's playing great hockey right now, and they're back in the mix. And I really don't want to play Vegas because they're a heavy team and they're going to grind you. So, and you got Flurry. Yeah, exactly. I don't so, want to play any of those types of goaltenders. Ideally, to answer the question, I think if they're in the second seed in the Central, that's the premier position to be. Yeah. Because then you're facing off likely against Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe Winnipeg slips in, but I think you'd have your best chance against either one of those teams to move on. Uh, it's going to be tough, but to me, expectations, uh, what I would like to see. You got to go one round further than you did against St. Louis last year. You took the Blues, the Cup champion, to seven games. You know you got to get past the second round. So That's, anything, anything but that, I think, is a you know a semi disappointment. I agree. Um, yeah, I think I think that that my ideal thing is that they match up in the conference, you know, conference finals somehow. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I that would be amazing. And they probably, you know, there's that chance if they can remain top three. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, that's the one question I had. We had uh, Fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom tweeted you and said, hey, did you get mine from the other day? Yeah. And I didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, Fuzzy. He's going to be so mad. Just just send us and we'll answer it in person. He got mad at me on Twitter because he thought I got him sick through Twitter. Oh. Yeah. Oh, which wow. I don't think I did. No. Oh, that Twitter flu. Yeah. Uh, Jared Smith asked, bring back taco goals. Man, I'm with you. Raining tacos was a pretty cool thing. Yes. I would love for someone else to step up. And, you know, that was always a party at the AAC when a taco goal happened. Yeah. So I just thought it was like a really cool tradition. It would be a uh, real cool scene. I think more things like that for fans to get fired up about free stuff that they'll get the coupon for that they likely oh, yeah. will forget to ever cash in. Man, when I walk out and those fishermen friends are being given away. Yeah. yeah, give me a couple of those <laughs> packets to go. Uh, <laughs> that's how I roll. Uh, Jacob Wallace. Uh, Jacob, thanks, man. I met Jacob and his nephew a couple of weeks ago. I bought him a Frosty at the Stars game. Nice. He came on down. Jacob Wallace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good guy. I met him up here a couple times. Yeah. Can the Stars host a series this year in the playoffs or will they be a wild card? And we just answered that. Yeah. And I think, you know. I, I'm assuming they're going to host a series. Well, I would be great. I expect them to have a home ice advantage. I mean, obviously, injuries and things of that sort can change, you know, your uh, the course that your team takes. But as currently constructed and as healthy as they are, I feel I feel really confident that they're going to host one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would be good. Uh, I'm worried about Colorado, um, and tomorrow night will go a long way. But I mean, you know, I'm worried in the sense that I don't want to lose that home ice advantage to the Avs. Because I think right now that's kind of who you're looking at playing. I'm really worried if you start to falter because, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, the Pacific is coming on in a big way. And it's so crazy how, you know, 
the Pacific was mostly out of the playoff picture view. Yeah. If we're recording this two months ago. Right. And you brought up at that point, hey, watch out for Arizona. Watch out for Arizona. They're at the bottom of the standings right now. They're not doing well, but this is a dangerous team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And now you look at them. You fall out of the top three, which you could do within a week's time with a bad week, and all of a sudden, you know, you're staring at wild card and just on the fringe of making the playoffs. So, I mean, the NHL right now, is in both conferences, is extremely tight. I think parity has entered the NHL, and that's a real good thing. All right, do you have any more questions? No, man. We're ready to hit some power rankings before we go? Yes, we sure are. We do this every single week here on the Sweaters Forever podcast, presented by Chuck Talk Casino and Resort. And this week, we're going to go with the... So it's it's Monday. We're recording this on Monday. What I learned today is a lot of people wait to do their power rankings till later in the week. Mm -hmm. But my guy, Mike Harrington in Buffalo. All right, Mike. He's got a top five for us. Quality. All right, so here's the top five from Mike Harrington. Uh, from BN Hockey, buffalonews.com. Thank you, Mike, for saving this part of the podcast. At number one, he has the Washington Capitals. Oh, Mike and I already disagree. Are you going to go with the Blues? I am going to go with the Blues. That seems like, like as soon as I saw that, I thought it had to be. And maybe this is because Mike did this like a day ago. So maybe or two days ago. Yeah. Maybe I, that has something to do with it. But I'm shocked that you yeah, didn't the, have the Blues the cap, one. What's the heck, Mike? A, Caps had a tough week. I know. You yeah. know they they did. They had a, they had a cap. They had a tough week. Uh so the Blues are seven two and one in their last ten. Um, yeah. Kind of a sidebar, funny note. We mentioned Jordan Bennington earlier. So news came out last week. So Jordan Bennington says, "Hey Justin Bieber, I'll give you ten breakaways, and if you score once on me." In 10 breakaway opportunities, I'll dye my hair blonde. Canadian Justin Bieber responds, how about this instead? I'll take you up on your challenge, but it's 10K to one of our favorite charities. If I score once, Jordan Bennington quickly replies, absolutely. Nice. So Justin Bieber, I believe in July, is hitting St. Louis for a concert. Question is, no is that when it's going to take place? I think it's awesome that 10K is going to go to a charity. That's really But cool. I ask you this, Shippy. Uh-huh. 10 breakaways. Can he score one? So, I know that he's played a lot of hockey. Because yeah. I know he's, he took the ice with the Toronto Maple Leafs maybe like two or three weeks ago, something like that. But I don't think, there's no way... There's no way in my mind. I haven't seen him play, though, so I don't okay. know if he's super skilled. Have you seen him on the I ice? I have, yeah. Is he good? It's not you? bad. So, but I still think not bad against Jordan Bennington, who I know. just won the Stanley Cup. I know. So I'm all in on this. I want to see I it. am, too. I hope they I, televise this I know. or something. To me, this is like the old Spike TV pros versus Joes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think reference. It's, I think it's great for the NHL that this is happening. Um I actually am going to take Team Bieber. Really? I think he might slip one by. I know it's like, but that's 10 breakaways. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be. That is, yeah. You want to put 10K on it each? Oh, man. No? No. no. Yeah, I'm good, too. I uh, (laughs) I don't have that kind of uh, expendable cash. No, neither do I. 
Um, Maybe if this podcast grows. Yeah, right? Come and, on, Choctaw. Help it, us out, baby. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> yeah, and if it was maybe something that I had more of a knowledge base on, I would. I mean, I still wouldn't do it. Yeah. I, I might be able to knock that number down, but not knowing really of not seeing Justin Bieber play, yeah, that's a real tough thing to put like $100 on for me. It's a great storyline, but everyone that thought that Bennington was a uh, fluke is wrong. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. And once again, they're still doing it without uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. It's not even fair. It really, I mean, he is their trade deadline acquisition when he comes back. Yeah. So, I mean, kudos to their staff. And, and I really want to get to, like, if I'm an NHL team, mm-hmm. I'm calling Doug Armstrong after this season if I'm looking for a coach and seeing the interest of Steve Ott and wanting to become a head coach. I don't know. Interesting. What, but I mean, Steve Ott obviously has the fire. Dallas Stars? Yeah, and I also take into the equation that they made a coaching change and Steve Ott stayed on. To me, that says something about Steve Ott as a coach. Yeah. Where a new coach comes in, Craig Berube, and, you know, even if it was after this season, granted they won the cup, but I'm interested because I would love to see if Steve Ott, Steve Ott, yeah, that would be an interesting one coming back to Dallas. You think that would be popular? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That would be insane. <laughs> All, All right. right. Number two here from my guy, Mike Harrington. He's got the St. Louis Blues at number two behind okay. the Capitals. All right. So he did save himself a little bit, but I'm still like, what? How do you not have them number one? So here's breaking news, and I'm probably wrong. I don't, because I base mine on like who has hot weeks and what are they doing. I right. probably should have had the caps in, you know, so I'm going to go with a tie for a second if I can do yeah. that. Yeah, sure. And I will put the caps up there because although they had a tough week, you know, they've just been a solid team. But I also have the Boston Bruins up there. And you look at David Pasternak, and it's weird to say this because we don't say this often. Pasternak's having a Gretzky-like season. And the stats show it's 35 goals in 46 games. He also has 30 gosh. assists. Oh 35 goals in 46 games. That's insane. The great player. Wow. So I got the Bruins. I mean, they're playing good hockey right now. Look for them to be uh, buyers at the trade deadline. Yeah, so that's... Mike's got the, the Boston Bruins at number three. Okay. So maybe he had them as a tie, too, but his boss was like, no, 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 Mike, we got, <laughs> we've been telling you this. You got to put one at two and another at three. Yeah. But on the Sweaters Forever podcast, Gavin Spittle, with your Hockey Hawk top five, you can do whatever you want. Man, and therefore, I am giving credit to a team that has snuck up. Mm-hmm. Albeit, without Sidney Crosby, who's coming back from a sports injury. Boy, the Pittsburgh Penguins have come out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, they've passed the Islanders, and they're catching up on the Capitals in the Metropolitan Division. Yeah. Yeah. They are playing great hockey, and once again... I can't say it loud enough, without Sidney Crosby. Right. Jim Rutherford, uh, a couple a couple of guys. Like We talk about great general managers, and Jim Rutherford just entered the Hockey Hall of Fame, and for good reasons, one of the all-time great GMs. He always finds a way to pull off great trade deadline deals, but he has the assets to do it. And you look at Jake Gensel, for example. That's yeah. a third-round draft pick in 2013, and he has 43 points. And he was a guy that when he really made a name for himself, I believe it was the year, maybe 2014 or 2015, when uh, Matt Murray took over and yep. net for Flurry. That's when Gensel really kind of took off. And a lot of people were kind of, well, he's on a line with Crosby. Like, yeah. How how hard must it be? <laughs> well, now he's showing what he can do without yeah. Sidney Crosby. And yeah. I, was part, I was part of that where I thought, 
man, it must be nice to just work with Crosby and you know oh, be able yeah. to kind of rotate in, and now all of a sudden you're you're just crushing it on your way to win a Stanley Cup. But he's showing now that he's a really, really great hockey player on his own. Yeah, Brian Russ, 2010, third round pick. Yes. He's got 38 points. Yeah, so it's that was like another guy. Pittsburgh just keeps. I feel like Pittsburgh makes trades every year, but they can because let's say they trade one of their uh, goaltending prospects. Well, they got two other guys coming up. Yeah, Jim Rutherford and his team just draft well every single year. So for that reason, they're playing good hockey. Sidney Crosby's on his way back. I think the Pens are back to being contender status. Well, that's uh, number four is where Mike has the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, all right. So I had another team that quietly has come back into Shippy. What was the team that last year dominated and everyone this year thought, well, they're going to be in the cup for sure this year? Talking about the Lightning? I am talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they are playing really, really good hockey. They're here in Dallas on Monday in like are a they? week? Yeah. yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Uh I just love the acquisition of Patrick Maroon in the offseason. Yes, I think he one brings week a lot from, to the room. Oh, two weeks from today. If Steven Stamkos was playing in New York or Philadelphia, he would be up there with the Crosbys and Ovechkins. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats that doesn't get the credit and also doesn't take the credit for taking a contract was less than he could make. He could have went back home to Canada, but he took less because he said, I think there's a winner here. Um I like Vasilevsky as well. I like Victor Hedman. I just love their team, and now that they're playing good hockey, watch out. Tampa Bay Lightning, they're catching up on the Bruins, and the Bruins are playing unbelievable hockey. Well, at number five, the Mike Harrington, was it? Yeah, Mike Harrington. He's got the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, all right. So I had Vegas in my power rankings last week, and one team passed Vegas this past week, and that's the Calgary Flames. And you don't think of the Calgary Flames as being a top five, but at right. the same time, they're on a hot streak. And you look at the team since Jeff Ward took it over. Um, the controversy surrounding Bill Peters and the way that he had to be let go and you know surrounding the team. And it just seemed like the team rallied at that point and they're playing great hockey since. So Calgary Flames. Um, you know, just one of those teams that's playing good hockey right now. And maybe, you know, after we see what's going on with the Stars now, with the, with the Blues last season, with the Flames you just referred to, maybe the trick is in the NHL, just fire your head coach at some time. Yeah. And then your team is just going to rally around it, and they're going to take off. I mean, it's not crazy. It's yeah. not crazy. I mean, the NHL uh, executives pull triggers probably faster than any other sport. Yeah. And that's to kickstart the team, because you really are limited in what you can do. Right. And, you know, there's the... Pull the goaltender and put the backup goaltender in. Yeah, and that's kind of... Right. But the guys you have on the ice that night are playing, regardless if they're playing bad, if they're stinking up the joint, you got to play the rest of the game. Right. So it's not like other sports. So they're limited in what you can do, and sometimes to shake up things, you got to change the coach. And in recent years, it's paid dividends. All right, so that's your top five, right? You, uh, yeah. You just knocked him out. What the... We do this every time. It's the first time we had just one guy's opinion. Where do you think Mike Harrington... Has the Dallas Stars on his list. I think Mike Harrington probably has them at eight or nine, and I have the Stars at six. You and Mike Harrington agree. He has them at six? He has them at number six. Nice. Catch this. At at a 757 winning percentage, they have the best points percentage in the NHL since their 1-7-1 and one start. Wow. As much props as we've been giving to you know the Boston Bruins, as we've been giving, and I guess it's since that start, so it's nine games in. But as much I mean, as much props as we give to the you know the Blues and all these other teams, the Dallas Stars are at the cream of the crop since they just totally 
just came out of the gate, just you know, stinking up the entire NHL. Yeah, they have the talent to do it. It's just the consistency. If yeah. they can put together a consistency, which they're proving they can do, these comeback games are wonderful. But you can't do it every night. You know, right. you got to stop that. I love the fact that they're not giving up. Uh, if they can get their consistency to get consistency together, and I'm really fascinated to see some of these veterans like Perry Pavelski. What do they do when it comes to the playoffs? And maybe they're those are guys that'll get better as the season progresses. You know, yeah. maybe think as things like we talked about. Maybe maybe as they get more comfortable with the team as they left the only franchise they've ever known. Both of them on on two rival teams too to come join the Dallas Stars, who both have their stories, you know, changed since, the, you know, the shakeup and the divisions and all that sort of stuff. Well, and, one thing we know right now, goaltending wins championship. They say it year after year, and Bennington was a perfect example last year. Yeah. And I like my guys. Yeah, yeah, and it's great to say guys. Yeah. You, either one of them. Obviously, you pay Bishop to be the starting guy come postseason time. Right. But if something, you know, God forbid, happened to Ben Bishop where he was not able to to go a game or so, and you had to bring Anton Hudobin in. I feel just as confident with him between the pipes as I do with Ben Bishop. I, I do as well, and that's great if Bishop goes down with an injury. One thing real quick to point out is that Bishop is the extra. You know, we, we didn't even get into what he did on this road trip where they're on a power play. Bishop sees the line change behind the net. Yes, and that stretch pass. Stretch pass, which results oh in a goal. Gosh. Caught Anaheim on a line change. It was a thing of beauty. And yeah. that's what Ben Bishop brings to the table. I know sometimes he flubs up behind the net, but there hasn't been a goalie in Dallas since Marty Turco that can handle the puck like that. And Jordan Bennington kind of adopted that from Ben Bishop, I felt like almost mid-postseason series last year. Yeah. Where he's now all of a sudden behind the net and starting to dish the puck out and things. Well, like he's that. also, you know, I mean, Hudobin's that backup quarterback right now that everyone's yeah. like, put him in, put him in, put right, him in. Because right. every time he's, you know, he's doing well and he deserves more playing time. And Rick Bonus pointed that out, which is good to rest Ben Bishop. But in my eyes, Ben Bishop's the guy. He's done nothing to lose that position. His no. goals against is among his career best right now. His save percentage is up there. You know, it. Hey, let's just enjoy both of them. Let's yeah. enjoy both yeah. of them right now. Well, um, so we got the Avalanche that the Stars play tomorrow. Then Thursday, the Sabres come to town. And then the Dallas Stars go to Minnesota Saturday, January 18th. And then you got a little bit of a break there. Uh, and then they'll come back and face the Tampa Bay Lightning on January the 27th. Yeah, some so, uh, winnable games in there. And yeah. uh, also some teams that have presented some issues in the past. So, um, you know. Got to beat Minnesota and Buffalo, uh, or at least pull some other games out. Colorado's going to be real, real that's tough gonna be tomorrow tough. night. That's going to be gonna, tough. That's going to be tough, and they know that you beat them, and they know that you've beaten them twice this year. Yep. And honestly, the last time they played, I thought Colorado at the AAC was the better team. I did too. Uh, Stars scored a late one and then won in overtime, and good teams find ways to get points. And the good news is, though, for me, is that the Dallas Stars have the edge in net. Oh, and absolutely! That's yeah. the way you can steal. They, you know, they say goalies win championships. Goalies also steal you games. Yeah, I just hate when you know the key to tomorrow night's game is stay out of the box. Yeah, I mean that first line's really, really good. But when you pair that first line on the power play, you know, Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon, and then you know if Kale McCarr plays, um, 
then you put him on the point. It's like, oh man, it's that good. Real, it's like a two man advantage, even though you have a one. Yeah, you know, they have a one man advantage. Yeah, it so, really is the way they move the puck. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can't you you can't underestimate people like Kadri joining their team and stuff. So yeah. they're they're a really well built. Joe Sakic deserves a lot of uh, credit as the GM for building that franchise in just a few short years. So. It's going to be fun. It'll be a fun tilt tomorrow night. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see Buffalo, a team we don't see often. Yeah. And, you know, if you get a chance, I mean, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a Thursday night. People on Buffalo on the schedule, they don't think I got to be at the AAC. Go. But go. I promise you, you are seeing one of the best in the NHL in Jack Eichel. He is special. Yeah. Well, you know what else is special is Choctaw Casino and Resort. Because they sponsor this podcast, Sweaters Forever podcast. Remember, welcome to Choctaw Casino and Resort. It's the ultimate destination for exciting gaming and live entertainment. Here, winning is never far away. And right now in the Dallas Stars season, the NHL season, I don't feel like winning isn't far away either. Really looking forward to getting to the playoffs and seeing what this uh, yeah. this this club can do. Really looking forward to see how they approach the trade deadline as well. Um, lots to talk about, a lot to think about uh, in the world of the Dallas Stars. I've never had my section called during a Choctaw where they roll, where they roll on the roulette up on the scoreboard. Yeah, I've never had my section called, so I could get that twenty five dollar free slot play. Maybe but one I, day. I am saving back of my ticket stubs, just because I love going up to Choctaw. I love the restaurants. I love the vibe. Uh, nice clean venue. Uh, I love how they're expanding and stuff. So, and it's awesome that they're supporting not just us. But yeah. they're supporting the great sport of hockey here yeah. in Dallas. So stick tap to you, Choctaw. Stick, stick tap to all the listeners out there that are downloading, subscribing, and telling their friends about the Sweaters Forever podcast uh, and also rating us five stars. Because um, we really do give up to the minute before recording to this. We're working up to the minute. Gavin is in his office every day before we, uh, we, we go to record this, and he's putting the finishing touches up on his power rankings. And we make sure to, just like he did earlier, he brought you the breaking news uh, with the uh, the three-on-three. Yeah. The three-on-three league. Everything is up to date here on the Sweaters Forever podcast. And uh, we try to bring you guys the best content possible because we both love this sport so dearly. So thank you guys for tuning in, for listening, for subscribing, rating, telling your friends about it. Until next time when we record the Sweaters Forever podcast, on behalf of the Hockey Hawk and myself, Shippy, we love you.